You are listening to Playback, a Variety podcast. I'm your host, Variety Awards editor Chris Tapley. sort of the sound of the crew not really being able to help laugh uh, 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 a little bit off camera. Um, but boy, does that laugh track sound terrible. <laughs> hey, man. Live and learn, I guess. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming on. Basically, the way this works, uh, I've got like a little intro at the top, mm-hmm. and then I'll bring you in and we'll chat for half an hour. Great. Cool. Everybody settled? Is this what we're going to have? Okay, cool. Lauren, hang on one second. Sure. I would just like you to take my phone. It's on vibrate, I think. Now it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> I had my phone ring in the middle of one of these. I was like, never happens with me. If it's anybody, it's the, t- the, you know, the talent. I think if the phone rings in the middle, the least you could do is take the call. Yeah, right. Okay, I think you always have to Add the flavor to it. Uh-huh. All right. <clears throat> My guest today is the Oscar-winning screenwriter behind films like A Few Good Men, Charlie Wilson's War, and The Social Network, and the Emmy-winning writer behind series like The West Wing and The Newsroom. Now he's moving behind the camera for the first time as a director of Molly's Game, the wild, true-life story of high-stakes poker maven Molly Bloom. His name is Aaron Sorkin, and we're pleased to have him on the show. Thanks for coming on, sir. It's a pleasure to be here. I kind of hate actually saying the high-stakes poker maven Molly Bloom because she's so complex. She's so more, so much more than even this one story in her life. That's exactly right, and that is was the genesis of the movie. Yeah. Uh, I was asked to read the book uh, that she wrote and to meet with her, and I read the book. The book is a wild ride. It's a really fun read. Uh, um, but I was expecting to meet... The high stakes poker maven uh, on Molly Bloom, or the poker princess, as they called her. I was expecting to meet, frankly, someone I wasn't going to like very much. Right. Uh, uh, someone, or someone I wasn't going to respect very much. Uh, I was expecting to meet someone who was just cashing in on their decade long brush with celebrity. Uh, my first meeting with Molly was one hour long, and within 10 minutes, she had completely turned me around. Uh, she is not that at all. She's a remarkably bright woman, uh, a, a hyper-competent woman. She has a, 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 a wry sense of humor, uh, uh, but she's not at all interested in gossip. Or uh, And uh, she, it turns out, is built out of character and integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and far from cashing in on her brush with celebrity, she has paid a big price for not cashing in on her brush with celebrity. She would have been guaranteed her freedom. She would have had uh, all all her money was taken from her uh, uh, by the FBI. She would have been given all of her money back plus interest uh, if only she would tell some of the stories uh, that she had, which she was, by the way, perfectly willing to do if it meant putting bad guys uh, in jail. What I mean by that, for people who are confused by now, is uh, (laughs) uh, when she moved the game from Hollywood to New York, uh, things, trouble uh, found her uh, because she inadvertently seated at the game three members of the Russian mob 
as well as an FBI informant. Um, uh, and the FBI it was their intention to use Mali to prosecute uh, uh, these uh, Russian mobsters. And Mali doesn't like mobsters any more than uh, anyone else. She got beaten up by one and, and a gun uh, uh, put in her mouth. Mm-hmm. But she didn't know anything that could help the prosecutors at all. The prosecutors had her there so that the New York Post would cover uh, uh, the trial. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> back to the first meeting. Uh, she immediately struck me as a real-life and very unique movie heroine mm-hmm. and uh, who had only told the tip of the iceberg in the book. There was much more story. She, she wrote a very good story that left breadcrumbs to a better story. That first meeting led to hundreds of others uh, uh, meetings with her over the course of uh, uh, seven, eight months. Uh, Let me jump in real fast. Sure. Did, did, does, so when you were reading the book, did you get that sense that there was more no. outside uh, the frame that you wanted to know? Re- when I was reading the book, um, every once in a while there seemed to be a contradiction or a question like uh, she mentions games that lasted two and three days. Mm-hmm. But she never mentions drugs uh, in there. And I, I don't know how a game, poker game, can last two or three days if – uh, there isn't that much Red Bull in the world. Uh, there are amphetamines around someplace or Coke. Right. Um, uh, and uh, so when I said that to her, uh, she said, there were drugs and I'm two years clean. Uh, now, that very moment uh, is in the movie. Uh, what, what was developing in my head over time was that there are really two stories here that, that are in bed with each other and, and should be. Uh, there is the story she tells in the book, which is uh, <clears throat> the story of a, a young, very promising, world-class skier who's headed to Harvard Law School, uh, and you know, she's got a life mapped out, and it's going to be a, a great life, and, 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 and not just uh, a successful one, but a good one. She, her intention was to begin a foundation that seeds entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial women. Um, uh, so the book is the story of how she goes from there to uh, running the world's most exclusive high-stakes poker game. When she finished the book, uh, she hadn't yet been arrested. Um, uh, and as Charlie, Idris Elba's character in the movie, says, you finished your book before the good part happened. Right. So there was that story. And then there was the story of today, uh, of what was going on at the time that I met her, which was – the FBI trying to coerce her uh, into testifying. Um, all, a lot of Hollywood players whose names we know uh, wanting to buy her life rights, but only on the condition that she would tell the stories that she was unwilling to tell uh, of the Southern District uh, of New York. As And finally, uh, her father. Uh, in the book, Uh, She speaks about her father at the very beginning uh, of the book, and she explains that, you know, he's a a hard-driving father and that uh, success in academics and athletics were important to him for her and for her two younger brothers, the youngest of whom, while she was ranked third in North America in women's moguls, he was ranked first in the world in men's moguls. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, uh, she was... It, it was hard for her to sort of break into the rankings at her own Thanksgiving dinner. Right. Um, 
Uh, but she told me, you know, about her strained and complicated, very nuanced relationship uh, uh, with her father. And I, I just started seeing a movie that was bigger than uh, than the Poker Maven, yeah. uh, uh, than the Poker Princess, uh, and a movie that's unexpected, uh, and and a movie hero uh, that's unexpected, and uh, and that's I almost immediately knew that the thing I was supposed to write next, I wasn't going to write next. I was going <laughs> to write this next. I, I had a feeling about it. I, I had the hardest time pitching it, describing it to people. Uh, I, I knew what it was, but I, I couldn't articulate it. I can't, uh, I can't remember the timeline, but did you come into it like, you, I want to direct this? I want no, this to be. No. no, no, no. I had no thought of directing it. I came into, I came into it the same way. I, I come into everything. It came have come into everything else. I finished the first draft. I turned it into. There were producers now, Mark Gordon and Amy Pascal, and I turned it into them. A few nights later, we had dinner. There was a piece of paper in front of each of us with a list of about twenty names of directors. We went through each one, pros and cons. By the time we got to the end, uh, they put the pieces of paper down, looked at me, and said, "But we think you should direct it." And I didn't really take them seriously. I, 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 I kind of aushoxed it, but they made it clear that they were very serious and they, they made their pitch why. Uh, I, I talked to directors I know and trust and I got encouragement from them, but the, the reason ultimately I decided to direct it, for better or for worse, was I knew that there was, with this story, a gravitational pull uh, back toward the book, back toward the shiny objects, the decadence, the glamour, the money, the sex uh, uh, and the bold-faced Hollywood names, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the, the, I wanted to do a story set against the backdrop of that. Uh, uh, you know, obviously there's going to be poker in this movie, uh, uh, but it's not a poker movie. We're never going to care who wins or loses a hand. This isn't the same as Rounders. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, it's it, it it's about. Uh, how, how did she get from here to there? And now let's put the stuff that's not in the book uh, in there, the Russians and her father. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I believe that it can be a, just a deeper, more resonant, more emotional, and best of all, more uplifting story that this was a story uh, uh, about a real-life movie hero uh, uh, who has the kind of heroic uh, qualities that I tend to... Uh, uh, write about that, that, that with romanticism and and, yeah. uh, and idealism. Uh, I directed it for that reason, and I directed it because I wanted to ensure uh, the protection of those bold-faced Hollywood names mm-hmm. uh, uh, that no one might have the idea of. You know, hey, I know how we can make this the buzziest movie of the year. Sure. Um, uh, so I did it for those reasons. That's that's my story. That's uh, uh, how I wrote the movie. What's more interesting uh, is what happened next, uh, because uh, the most important decision I was going to make as director was who was going to play Molly. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, One second, though, before you sure. jump to that, I, I do want to talk about that. But I'm curious, did you write it? Would you have written it differently if you knew you were going to direct it? You know, it's funny. 
Uh, I did a panel last night where someone asked that question. And as I told the, uh, the person who asked the question, not only was that the first time I'd ever been asked that question, it was the first time I've ever thought about uh, <laughs> uh, that question. Uh, right in that moment when I had to answer was the first time I ever thought about it. And the answer is absolutely yes. Yeah. Uh, I would have. I'm so grateful that I didn't know uh, uh, that I was directing it when I was writing it because I would have been too scared uh, uh, to to write some of the scenes uh, uh, that I wrote. The whole opening sequence, the first eight minutes, has more action in it than every movie I've written combined. Yeah. Uh, right? I like I write people talking in rooms. And it's uh, like, oh, mostly. the director will take care of this. It's exactly right. <laughs> the director's going to know how we do this ski crash. Yeah. Um, uh, the director's going to know how to you know, do the getting beaten up scene. Um, uh, and the director's going to make these poker scenes look fantastic. Uh, uh, you know, Fincher came along and made computer hacking look like a bank robbery. Uh, um, that's what directors do. They, uh, they take this thing that I write which doesn't have a whole lot of visual interest, and, uh, and they give it visual interest. I write the lyrics, they write the music. You know, that <laughs> right. kind of thing. Um, so, uh, so I am grateful that, uh, that I didn't know. Uh, that I, it wouldn't have been as good a screenplay mm-hmm. uh, if I'd known that I was directing it. Um, so what was the biggest learning curve? Just before we get into Jessica and everything, you know, you never even, I don't think, directed like no, an no, episode no, of never, television no, or anything like uh, that. I, I'd never directed anything before. I, I, I'm, I'm not... A complete production novice. I've I've been on the set every day of every movie uh, uh, that I've written, uh, and as the showrunner in television, you're involved in every aspect mm-hmm. of uh, of production from prep to post. And obviously, I write the script too. Uh, uh, still, the biggest learning curve was going to be that in the 25 years I've been a professional writer, I'd managed to absorb none of the science of filmmaking uh, at all. I couldn't pick a long lens out of a police lineup. Uh, enter Charlotta Christensen, uh, our cinematographer. Charlotta uh, uh, flew over from Denmark, where she lives, to meet with me. She had just gotten done shooting two movies, The Girl on the Train, uh, uh, which looked beautiful, and Fences, which also looked beautiful, but more importantly was directed by first-time director Denzel Washington. Uh, so she had it, plenty of experience as a DP, but uh, experience working with a first-time director. And yeah. I told Charlotta, we talked about um, my vision for the look of the movie and two separate looks when we were in present day and when we were showing the story of Molly going from skier to uh, uh, to poker princess. Uh uh, but I told her, uh, you know, listen, I'm, I'm just scared that uh, I don't have the vocabulary to that you that you need the director to have uh, for you to be able to do your job. Uh, and she said, don't don't worry about it at all. Here's what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to we're going to talk about the scene. Um, uh, we're going to create a shot list uh, of everything that you want to get and I'm I'm going to be very opinionated uh, uh, I'm going to tell you I also want to get this shot uh, uh, and this shot uh, I'm never going to tell you no I'm not going to do your shot but I'm, I'm going to add a couple of my own <clears throat> but in terms of lenses and lighting uh, I, I got this have this handheld device and I'm going to 
snap a, a, a lens on it and you're going to look through it and you're going to tell me if you like what you see. And if you do, I'm going to take the lens off the handheld device and put it on the camera. Um, uh, and that's how we do it. And um, there was a lot less for me to be scared of than, uh, than I thought. The truth of the matter is that for every area of film production, there's an expert uh, in that position. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it, Stand on their shoulders. Uh, it, it's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, uh, whether it's production design, lighting, camera department, uh, uh, anything. Um, I, I'm, I've written the script. I've prepped. Uh, I, you know, I've spent months with the department heads. We know what it's going to look like. We know what's going to happen every hour of every day uh, of shooting. We know what's to be accomplished, and now I can uh, just be with the actors uh, and, and do that. And that happened quickly enough early on that yeah, you could just instantly. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and it needed to. Uh, we didn't have a choice. Uh, there was no ramp up time here. We had to, we were on a tight schedule. This is a movie that needed a 60 day budget that we did in 49 days. Uh, that that's you know everybody uh, unless your name is Spielberg every, everybody has that problem you, mm-hmm. you don't have enough shooting days, um, but uh, we began we uh, with the scenes between Jessica and Idris uh, in his office. Those are seven, eight, nine page scenes of dense dialogue, uh, and while they. Uh, were shot fairly conventionally. I don't mean boringly. They look beautiful. They're lit beautifully. And uh, really, Charlotta is uh, a, a superstar. Um, She's very underrated, I feel. Far From the Maddening well, Crowd was amazing. Yeah, I agree The Far From the Maddening Crowd was amazing. But uh, I, I don't think she's underrated. I just think that she is not yet as known as she right. will be. Uh, I think this movie is going to change that um uh, i you know i i think that people are going to see it and say whoa who shot that uh, uh because it, it deserves that that kind of reaction um but uh to th- th- there was insufficient rehearsal time uh for those scenes between jessica and uh and idris so i instituted about six weeks before photography started virtual rehearsals skype email phone calls we would talk through every beat, every transition, and I would emphasize to them that you can't learn this in the makeup trailer uh, uh, on the morning. Uh, it's you're, you're never going to make it, and you're going to be very unhappy with your performance. That you can't just memorize the words. You've got to take ownership uh, of this language. You have to be able to casualize the language. You have to be able to toss it off like it's your phone number, um, and that way. Uh, because you won't have to think about the words anymore. You get the performances. You get what you hire Jessica and Idris for. Uh, And had the two of them not come as prepared uh, as they did, had the two of them been a half inch less talented uh, than they are, less skilled than they are, less committed uh, than they are, the movie would have fallen off the screen. Mm-hmm. But uh, instead, uh, I think that those scenes are explosive. Yeah, you were talking briefly about just uh, you know some of the ideas you had for the look 
jokes early in the movie, later in the movie. That brings me to a question I have, which were, which is, what were some of those visual ideas you had to tell the story visually? What kind of struck you early on, even that carried all the way through? Well, the main idea was that there were going to be uh, two different looks. That in present day, as I said, we were going to shoot it f- fairly conventionally, or a better word would be literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it 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 was all going to be literal, but that. In the past, it was going to look different. We were going to poker, and I'm I'm not a poker player, uh, but I'm a sports fan. So my TV is on ESPN, and every once in a while, when there is absolutely no other sporting event happening in the world, they will show poker uh, on ESPN. You can't imagine a worse spectator sport, uh, okay? (laughs) It's it's boring to watch. It's ugly to look at. Uh, uh, there's there's nothing there. And I again, I, I never saw this as a poker movie. Um, there, I, I didn't write a single scene in the script where we're ever asked to care who wins or loses uh, a hand of poker. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's only one scene in which a full hand of poker is dramatized. It's a scene in which Bill Camp playing Harlan Eustis goes on what's called full tilt, yeah. uh, uh, which means... I know you, it well. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, it, it, it means you're on a losing streak, you've lost your mind, um, yeah. uh, you should get up and walk away from the table, but t- there's no turning back here. You're going you're to... You're like Chevy Chase in Vegas Vacation, going back to the uh, the ATM machine to play the guy in... I forgot who played the uh, blackjack dealer. I can't <laughs> reference Vegas Vacation sorry, that's my with reference. the expertise that, uh, that you can... Um, but it's uh, more like uh, a, a coke addict at four in the morning uh, looking for anyone who's got more coke. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, that's the only scene uh, uh, where we're watching a hand. And again, we're not caring who wins or, or loses. We're listening to Molly demonstrate, here's how someone goes on full tilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, what, here's how it happens. Here's the origin of it. Uh, uh, but in all other cases... It's just the the energy of playing poker, and we're watching Molly learn it. She, she she's a sponge. She's a computer uh, uh, that way. She learns incredibly fast, and then extrapolates. And uh, uh, so the shooting style there would be: we're gonna get, we're gonna spend days uh, uh, around these poker tables, getting what I would call micro shots. Uh, uh, shards uh, of things, of chips being slapped down, cards being turned over, uh, uh, shuffled, a new deck being cut open, ice going into a glass, a cigarette being lit, more cash, more buy-in, somebody pulling in uh, uh, chips, cards, 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 poker, poker, poker. We're going to get hundreds and hundreds of these shots. And in post, uh, the editors and I are going to build these uh, poker scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll, they'll be very exciting. Uh, same with skiing. We're never going to see somebody ski from the top of the slope to the bottom of the slope. That doesn't matter. Uh, uh, we're going to get in there tight. I want to see ice coming off of, uh, of the edges of skis. I want to see a hand gripping uh, uh, the, the poles, that kind of thing. Sound is crucial with all of this, too. Then in post, I'm really glad you brought that up because sound I've been singing this hymn for years of how crucial sound is. 
I cannot, unfortunately, go to every movie theater in America um, and test their sound system uh, and decide whether or not it's fit to, uh, uh, you know, to, to play movies. Yeah. Uh, so you're a little bit at the mercy of, of the delivery system for the movie. However, the sound design on this, um, just as, you know, in, in every Scorsese movie, um, he kind of makes a decision early on, you know, with the help of his sound guys, uh, what a, a gun's going to sound like in that particular movie um, uh, and what it's going to sound like when a bullet pierces uh, a body. Mm-hmm. It's different in every movie. If you remember in uh, The Departed, it was a very distinct sound that the bullet had. Everyone who gets shot in that movie gets shot in the head. Um, uh, and there's a blood splat wetter, uh, wetter uh, on noise, the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, by the way, these are all, it's one of my all-time favorite movies. Yeah. Uh, but there is a different sound to a gun in every Scorsese movie. Uh, well, in this movie, uh, uh, what was important to me is what a chip sound like uh, uh, when they're slapped down um, or, or when someone's shuffling them. What a cards uh, sound like. What does that ice sound like when it's spraying off the edge of a ski? Uh, uh, all, all those sounds. How heightened can they be? How heightened can the clinking of ice in a glass be? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, what does it sound like when a judge drops uh, a, a stack of documents on a desk in a big echoey courtroom? That kind mm-hmm. of thing. Our whole sound team, from the sound engineers, uh, uh, engineer in Toronto, recording the production track, to the sound designers. Uh, here at home, the mixers, uh, uh, the editors were so into this uh, and worked so hard from before sunrise to after sunset uh, on those exact things, um, uh, uh, particularly when I would give them a note like, uh, you know, the blade of the ice skate uh, on the ice is, is just a better sound. Uh, 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 available. It's, there's there's a really great sound, and I just want to find it. Uh, they would take that uh, as a personal challenge, um, <laughs> uh, and, and they wouldn't go home until you know they had built that uh, that sound. Uh, I, I, since we're talking about post production, I have to mention that our editors, Alan Baumgarten, uh, Josh Schaefer, and, uh, and Elliot Graham. Along with Charlotta, our DP, I consider those people to be co-authors of uh, of this movie. Um, uh, that listen, the structure, the, the the you know the the cutting that we do in the movie was something written in the script. That's all built in. They found something else too. Uh, uh, they they found something new uh, that I hadn't thought of. And, you know, that's the best thing that there is. You don't want, uh, or at least I don't want, people who will expertly follow my instructions. Um, uh, I want people who have better ideas than uh, than my instructions. Look, of course, sometimes... You want what you want. Yeah, you want what you want. Um, And they'll show you their better idea and you will disagree that uh, that it was a better idea. So you want what you want. 
Um, but uh, you want what they have and you don't, mm-hmm. uh, okay? Um, uh, you want the ears that the sound designers have. Uh, you want the sense uh, of rhythm and the understanding of what can be done at an avid uh, uh, that the editors have. You want Charlotta's eye and what she understands about lenses and lighting. Um, and it's about time I got around to this. You want what Jessica Chastain and Idris Elba and uh, and Kevin Costner have. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yes, you are going to give them adjustments. Uh, 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 you're it's hotter, colder, faster, slower, louder, softer. Uh, um, you're giving them reasons for those things too. You're not just controlling knobs mm-hmm. uh, on a console, but what you want to do. Uh, is you you want what makes Jessica Jessica uh, uh, to be in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't just want her following your instructions. She's not just a delivery system uh, uh, for the, the script that you wrote. Same thing with Idris, same thing with Kevin. And by the way, the whole supporting cast from Bill Camp to Chris O'Dowd, Jeremy Strong, Michael Sarah. Uh, I'm sure I'm leaving some people out. Um uh, so, as it happened, uh, luckily enough, my my biggest fear, other than not understanding the science of filmmaking, uh, uh, when I, on January 3rd, said, yes, uh, I'll direct this, was what quality of person am I going to be able to get who's willing to work with uh, a first-time director? Can I cast this? Is Jessica Chastain, who works with... Terrence Malick and Ridley Scott and uh, Catherine Bigelow and Chris Nolan, is she going to be willing to do this? Is Idris, um, uh, is what what kind of DP am I going to have? What kind of crew am I going to have? Um, uh, well, as it turned out, a, a freaking all-star team. You sound super grateful, frankly. Like, you sound like... It's an this- unrepayable debt. I, I uh, It's an unrepayable debt. Yeah. I'm getting the wrap it up symbol signal. I'm sorry to hear that. No, that's okay. But I'm just going to slip in one personal curiosity question before we duck out. Uh, Few Good Men is 25 years old this year. The film, anyway. Uh, And it struck me when I was preparing for this that uh, a big part of your life appears to have been the law. Your father was a lawyer after fighting in World War II. I believe your siblings, two of your siblings were lawyers, mm-hmm. and uh, you married a lawyer mm-hmm. eventually. So you're, you're working on your own adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird. That's right. So what's that all about? Let me just plop you on the couch at the end here. Sure. Well, part of it is growing up uh, uh, with lawyers. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of it is growing up loving courtroom dramas. Uh, and, um, and part of it is just uh, an old-fashioned romantic sense of, you know, what the laws mean and what having a country, uh, a nation of laws mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, the, it's, it's really a marvel what our system of justice is in terms of writing those kinds of things like A Few Good Men. Courtroom dramas for me are, are so great because the stakes are immediately clear. The intention and obstacle is immediately clear. The battlefield uh, is clear. The jury is a stand-in for the audience. You've got 
12 people who know as little as the audience does. Uh, and they're going to have to be informed. So you, you, you're not going to have clumsy exposition. Exposition makes sense. There's just a clear scoreboard. Uh, and, um, I'm most comfortable as a writer when I'm inside four walls. Uh, I'm, I, I'm very uncomfortable out on a battlefield, mm-hmm. um, uh, in a desert, in the jungle, uh, uh, that kind of thing, uh, in a car chase. Uh, I just I, I need those four walls to uh, to feel comfortable. Gotcha. Okay. How, how's that uh, upcoming live rendition of that? How are you feeling about that? Well, I'm feeling great about it. You know, we're probably going to we were going to do it this May, but we're probably going to postpone it a little bit uh, uh, until next season. I don't want to say for sure uh, uh, because of uh, of scheduling. We, there are great actors uh, uh, who who want to do it. Um, uh, it's just hard getting them all to be available at the same time, getting those uh, uh, stars literally to line up. Uh, so uh, we may push it to next season. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to that. I appreciate it, Chris. Uh, the movie is Molly's Game. comes out December 22nd. Go see it. I loved it, by the way. Never got a Thank chance to mention much. that. <laughs> and Aaron Sorkin, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I'm Molly Bloom. Do you know about me? This is a true story. You ran games in L.A. for roughly eight years? Yeah. And then you ran games in New York for roughly two. I haven't run a game in over two years, not to spoil the ending. But that's when the government raided my game and took all of my money, assuming all of it was made illegally, which it wasn't. In this room, you couldn't buy your win. I'm all in. You couldn't buy me, and you couldn't buy a seat at the table. Movie stars, athletes, billionaires, that's just the tip of the iceberg. You're not taking percentage of the pot? No. Keep it that way, because you don't want to break the law when you're breaking the law. Am I breaking the law? Not really. We're able to find out for sure, aren't we? Laws are written down. You had meetings in L.A. about your book and life, right? I did. You spent eight years running the world's most exclusive, glamorous, and decadent man cave. In the office? Guarantee the publishers certain elements, then I can get you a million and a half. What kind of elements? I passed. I'm just curious as to why you passed on what would appear to be the only way out you have. You have to use real names. Creative differences. The law that I'm accused of breaking defines gambling as betting on games of chance. Yes. Poker isn't a game of chance. Poker's a game of skill. Why does a young woman who, at 22, has a gold-plated resume, why does she run poker games? Your risk is nuts. You're going to get blown up. You got $2.8 million on the street right now. That money should be in your hands. Just how deep into the Russian mob were you? There's a new offer on the table. Complete immunity. We hand over the hard drive. You've seen what's on those hard drives. Families, lives, careers will be ruined. Why are you in this alone? Where are the people you're protecting by not telling the whole story? It's not their names. I'm protecting Charlie. It's mine. Tell me why! Because it's all I have left! Because it's my name! 